Meet Dr. Albert Bonassian, Assistant Professor with the University of Alabama at Birmingham and Acting Director of the Reproductive, Maternal, Newborn and Child Health Department at the Center for Infectious Disease Research in Zambia. On this episode, we talk about the coronavirus pandemic, what you need to know, who you should get your information from, and how to keep safe during these uncertain times. So come along and join the conversation. Good afternoon, Albert, and welcome to Conversations with Leela B. Good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. No, thank you for being here to kind of help us all navigate this coronavirus situation where I feel like a lot of people are uncertain, they're uncomfortable, they don't, there's so much out there. I think people don't really know what to listen to and what to believe. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe this can be helpful for some of my listeners. Um, So the first question that I kind of want to get into is how can I get coronavirus? Mm-hmm. and sort of how is it spread, if you could just explain the basics of that. Sure, certainly. So the coronavirus, it's a, it's a respiratory virus which spreads through droplets when an infected person coughs or sneezes. Um, and the same droplets, which now have viral particles in it, land on surfaces. Um, they you know, land on paper and plastic or metal, and then they could last there from certain hours to days. So for mm-hmm. example, we know that on paper it lasts up to 24 hours, on plastic and metal it lasts up to three days. Yeah, I so, read that online and I was like, whoa, you yeah, have we, to make sure you obviously clean your ex- utensils. I think this is exactly. why you've seen restaurants have to close down because... Exactly, exactly, be, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so because of that, that, what happens if someone coughs or sneezes, then the viral part, the droplets land on the surface, they could land on the surface, and then someone, let's say me, without knowing you touch the surface and then you touch your face. Yeah. So you you can get it that way, and obviously if you're having a conversation with someone and they sneeze or they sneeze or they cough, if you're very close to them, hence the social distancing thing, then you could inhale what they just sneezed. Um, mm-hmm. that, that way, that gets into your system. Okay, so that's interesting. That's very sort of I feel like simple for everyone to understand. Um, so my other questions are um, like, what are some of the symptoms that we currently know of? Like, mm-hmm. I'm aware that like <laughs> when I watch the news or I'm reading, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Because one day you said it's this, uh-huh. but other people or the people who are saying that they've had it and recovered and some didn't have some of the symptoms. And I know you can be asymptomatic. Uh-huh. So it's very confusing for all of us. So what are some of the actual symptoms that we know of? We're all, we're, we're all in this together. Um, it's a completely new virus, so we're learning as much as everyone else is learning. So the, the common symptoms that we know is first fever, 37 and a half and above. Um, then it's the cough and it's a dry cough, like very chesty dry cough. Um, then it's the breathing difficulties. So especially if you're walking and then you have a hard time catching your breath or you're talking, um, you can't finish your sentences. Mm. Um, and then in general, weakness and tiredness. Recently, I read something last night. Um, they started including GI issues, so gastrointestinal problems, so diarrhea mm-hmm. as part of the screening, um, oh, wow. in the screening process as well. Yeah, but for now we're concentrating on the basics of fever, cough, breathing difficulties, and just tiredness and fatigue. Okay, that's great to know. And so, yes, the big word I used earlier that maybe not all of us are familiar with and we just learned now is asymptomatic. So what, what is being asymptomatic? What does that mean? Yeah, that's actually, it's a, it's a very important one, especially for this virus, because unlike the, either the flu or anything else that we have seen before, you have to show symptoms. So you have to be symptomatic 
to start spreading it. Mm -hmm. But what happens with COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 is that patients, when they are when they have the, the virus, they're asymptomatic and they're still spreading it. So what asymptomatic means actually is that you have the virus, you can transmit it or you are transmitting it, but mm -hmm. you show no symptoms. Mm -hmm. So none of, none of the four that we just described, the cough, the uh, breathing difficulties, fever or the tiredness, you don't have any of those. So you can feel fine and you Completely, feel like 100%. you're strong, but you're actually asymptomatic. Yeah. But So you you're have it and you're it. able to spread it exactly. to everyone else. Exactly, yeah. So they're, they're referred to as the silent transmitters. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's actually, it's, it's a quite an important, it's a group that's very hard to tackle, to understand, um, to also identify as well, which is why they do this thing called contact tracing. So let's say if I had it, um, if I have it, and then I let you know that I have it, I've been diagnosed, mm -hmm. and they will let you know, it's like, listen, you've been in touch with someone who has now been confirmed to have it. You might not have symptoms, but Rugo, yeah. you need to monitor you. We might come and test you as well, depending on the country that you're in. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I do know that Ministry of Health lately have also been trying. They've been doing the whole contact. Exactly. Who did you come into yes. contact with? In, yeah. Simply because you know exactly. you may be asymptomatic, but not mm -hmm. knowing that you're spreading it around. So I think that's an important one for people to know. And um, is it true that certain people in the beginning you heard, ah, oh, it's going to kill old people, not so much if you're young and healthy. I know that's been dispelled or it's, mm -hmm. you know, but are there certain people who are more at risk like yes. old people? Yeah. And why is that? Yeah, so that's that's actually correct. Um, so if you look at the impact of the SARS-CoV-2 or let's just, so the virus that causes COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So let's just refer to it as COVID-19. Yeah. Um, if you look at the impact of COVID-19 on different age groups, you'll see that it increases with age from children, from infants to children to, you know, adolescents, teenagers, et cetera, et cetera. And then substantially increases from 65 above. Okay. So it is still more, um, the elderly are more at, at high risk mm -hmm. than the younger ones. Um, however, having said that, um, it does also match if you have underlying conditions. Yes. So with the elderly, we're saying what happens is, um, with elderly is that elderly people are greatly impacted by COVID-19, including because they go through this physiological change associated with aging. So their immune system is decreased, the immune function is decreased. There are multiple underlying conditions like heart problems or lung problems or mm -hmm. diabetes, uh, which makes them more susceptible to the infection itself and makes them more likely to have serious complications. Yeah, That's, okay, yeah. yeah. So it actually makes, it's more, it's definitely a more dire situation if you're more elderly and let's say you've got diabetes or exactly. you've had respiratory um, issues in exactly. the past, that's actually going to just aggravate it more and exactly. make it less likely for you to like, Precisely. survive. Precisely, because your immune system is not 100%. Mm. It's not functioning at the same level. Okay. So, but we all still need to practice our social distancing, no matter what age group, yes. just because you don't want to, again, you don't want to visit your grandmother and make your grandmother Precisely. sick. Or you just don't yeah. want to make each other sick. Exactly, because exactly. Because we don't yeah. all know each other's medical history. Just because you're young, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through a complication. One, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it could not be fatal for you. Two, obviously, as you mentioned, transmitting to the elderly. So we could be the transmitter. And also, the healthcare system is overwhelmed. Mm -hmm, exactly. So just because you're at lower risk of a mortality, does not, don't, you shouldn't be this casual about it. You know, that we have to try to offload the healthcare system as much as we can. So those that actually need the treatment 
could hopefully get the treatment. Yeah, because as we understand it now, looking in a global aspect, hospitals are obviously overwhelmed by this. Like Absolutely. People are being called in back to be nurses and doctors who had maybe retired or, you know, people in a certain year studying their degree are being called in to help. Exactly. Because yeah. there's so many people in and out of these hospitals and, you know, it's better for us to all stay at home so that we don't overwhelm that exactly. system. We're not yeah. another person for them to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so they can get the job done. Um, yeah, so tagging on to all of that, I wanted to talk about respiratory illnesses because there's a lot of, um, or even just being asthmatic and being a smoker, which I think obviously that does impact the respiratory system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So are those, is that person more at risk? Like if you're at yeah, heavy smoker. Correct. That, that is absolutely correct. So you know, as we mentioned, uh, COVID nineteen is a respiratory virus. Well, mm -hmm. SARS CoV two is a respiratory virus. So on that, I would also have to add the diabetes and just general cardiopulmonary um, uh, conditions as well. Yeah. So what happens with people who have asthma is they may be at higher risk of getting very sick from COVID nineteen, as the latter may affect their respiratory tract, so their nose, their throat, and their lungs, which causes, which could lead to an asthma attack. Mm -hmm. and then possibly lead to pneumonia or ac acute um, respiratory disease. Okay. So you already have you already have something that's affecting your lungs, your respiratory system. Yeah. And now you're adding something, a virus to it. So it's going to aggravate it. Yeah. It's going to give another opportunity for it to act up. You know, and since, as I mentioned, and since the virus affects the respiratory tract, that puts them at much higher risk. Um, you know, in general, we say if you are immunocompromised, then you are at higher risk. Yeah. So imagine cancer patients, especially those that are going through treatment. Yeah. Um, if you have, and there's articles about um, poorly controlled patients with poorly controlled HIV or AIDS, mm -hmm. yeah, because that's a, that's your immune system is compromised as well. Yeah. Um, there are talks about diabetic patients, as we talked about, and also some of the medication that diabetic patients use as well. Um, so in general, if your immune system is not, is, is somewhat compromised, mm -hmm. then you are, you are automatically become at high risk. Okay. All right. Um, thanks for that. So, okay, yes, let's talk about social distancing <laughs> because I feel like perhaps people don't necessarily understand what it means or why we need to do it. So what, what is it and why is it important, especially through, through this pandemic? Why mm -hmm. should we social distance? Yeah, that, no, that's absolutely correct. So, and this is a major struggle for people in general or from people from, depending on what culture or background you come from, yeah. right? So there are some We're people- We're used to hugging each other exactly, and being affectionate yeah. and close and- Exactly, I mean, look at us now. We're sitting at a distance. I did not shake your hand. I did not hug you. You walked in. Strange, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> like two meters apart, you walked in. Uh, but this is absolutely important now because people should keep a minimum of a one meter distance from one another. Because what happens is when someone coughs or sneezes, the spray they spray small particles mm -hmm. that have fire particles in it, and you don't want to you don't want to catch it. So you want to keep a distance from that person. Yeah. And some, some say one meter, some say six feet, which is one and a half meters. Yeah. So you do want to well almost two meters. Sorry. So you do want to keep this distance. So in case again an asymptomatic person or even a symptomatic person at that point does something you want to be far away from it yeah so that's why all the parties and social events weddings you know a lot of the even today is easter right yes. all these events we normally would be with our family and exactly. sitting around a big table but you can't yes, you now shouldn't. you can't sit next to each other you should not Unf be doing unfortunately that. you shouldn't yeah mm. so keep a distance try to try to uh, prevent any further spread 
try not to get infected, try not to get it and then transmit to someone else, etc. But like you said, if someone, let's say, had it or whatever and leaving it on a surface, like what you said, you touch a surface, you touch your face. We're all being told to like stop touching our faces. Oops, I just held my face yeah. <laughs> just now. Yeah. And I've never really been that much of a face toucher or I slowed down on it for like skin reasons uh -huh. like acne and things like that like your dermatologist will tell you yeah. like your hands are probably dirty don't touch your face yeah but i think a lot of us are maybe struggling with that one aspect where we're like oh you're just so used to sort of wiping your eye or exactly your nose yeah. with your own hand and yeah. fingers instead of using or it a itches, tissue you know na natural yeah. And, yeah so i think yeah that's a very interesting <laughs> and challenging one but guys do try to avoid touching your faces um because that's important um, okay, and this one, obviously, it's a, it's a complicated one, but I'm just going to ask it in the way of why does the information that we have keep changing or that we hear about coronavirus? I understand it's something we've never sort of seen and dealt with, but I think it's important for like my listeners to understand that, yes, information changes because as scientists and people are working on this, they're discovering new things every day mm -hmm. of how mm -hmm. people are coming into contact with it, of how it's affecting them, what the symptoms are. So, but like, why? Why is it like this? No, a very valid question. So thank you for asking this. And, and I understand that um, people could be very frustrated with this because as you said, one day you hear something and then next day you hear something completely different or an addition or, you know, it, it changes every single day. So it's frustrating for the general public and it's also frustrating for the healthcare providers because for some of them, every time they go back to a clinic, it's it's a new thing. It's a new thing. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so it's a, as I mentioned, it's a completely new virus for us and we are learning of its impact on a daily basis, especially in places where the numbers are much higher. Now we're, we're Grateful that in Zambia so far the number is around 40 or 43, uh, but imagine now that, um, initially China, a lot of publications were coming out of China because that's where the hub was, 80 plus thousand people. Italy, now United States, almost half a million, I think the word reached half yeah. a million. You know, globally it's 1.7 million people And now. this information will change probably by the time I upload this podcast. <laughs> yes. Please don't be frustrated with us, we're working on what we know today. Yes, so it's we're learning if it's impact on different age groups. You know yeah. how in, um, you asked the question earlier, is, are the elderly of higher risk? Yes, they are. And we were thinking that, okay, so younger people, I think we were saying 0.4% chance of mortality. But then you look at the US, um, a lot of the doctors, my friends in the US are saying a lot of the patients they see now are younger, youngsters in their mm. 30s and 40s. And one of the reasons is because they have possibly, they have underlying conditions. Yeah. They could be clinically obese. They could have a respiratory issue. They could be chronic smokers. You know, there are so many things. So the impact on the age group is the new thing. Possible treatments um, are a new way of we're trying to figure out which one works better, which one is, uh, what's the best way forward. You know, comorbidities, as we talked about, or the duration of the disease. Yeah. How long does it take? Initially, we used to say, um, or usually 14 days and you're out of the clinic, you're out of the hospital or you're, you're recovered. Um, but we have cases that go up to 21 days. Yeah. We have cases that w once your situation gets critical, then you could be in the hospital up to 14 plus days. So mm. everything is changing every single day. And that's why we're getting different information. It's also important maybe to read through that information and understand what's being said instead yes. of taking a sound bite. Or the title. Do not trust the yeah, title. No. Oh, because yes, that's, yeah. that's going into my next question, yeah. which is like, how do we actually in this age, because people are on Twitter, they're on uh -huh. Facebook, and we know like, no offense to certain platforms, they've been accused of, you know, sort of fake news and, yeah, and yeah. publishing articles that have no actual 
um, you know, sort of ethical and scientific validity. Yeah, yeah validity. Yeah. So, um, how do we actually make sure that we're getting the right information? Like, what can we kind of rely on? Like, as Zambians, where should we kind of look to? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, there are a lot of myths out there of what works, what doesn't work. Someone sent me a video, uh, sorry, a recording of, I think it was like almost 10 minutes of here are things you should do. Gargle with cold water, then eat 12 garlics, then do this and do oh, that. Oh, my mom yeah. might have sent something similar early on about yeah, like yeah, exactly. hot water and lemon. And I was yeah. like, okay, these are things that we yeah. know, because maybe you're thinking it's flu adjacent. That's why you want to use some of these. Exactly, exactly. Sort and of people use the word cure so, yes. uh, what's the words? Like, Casually, liberally, casually, casually thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's you know, cure is very different from treatment, and also what we're doing now is very different. What what people are proposing is very different from cure or treatment. It's like it could boost your immune system. Like mm-hmm. we know garlic is great. You know, it's healthy. Like turmeric. Yes. Whenever I have a cold or a flu, garlic. We're and not saying don't is do that. Fantastic. We're just saying it it's, is not number one. It's not a cure because as far cure. as we know scientifically, yeah. correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, there is no cure right now. Absolutely correct. Otherwise, Unfortunately, there is be... no cure at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So the two sources that I always go to, it's WHO and CDC. CDC and WHO. WHO and CDC websites, whenever you see something published on their page, or if you read something on a different page, um, but the reference, they reference WHO or CDC, then you could trust that, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, having said that, there are also, oh, and one good thing that WHO has, they have a WhatsApp group. People don't send you messages, so you don't get bombarded. And you join the WhatsApp group, and they you have a code like one to nine, I think. Yeah. And each number is, represents something: treatment, myths, etc., etc. So you type in that number, and they immediately send you ah. an update. So for those who are listening and don't know, like you can lock a WhatsApp group. So like the admins can, when you send in the code, give you the information you're specifically looking exactly, for. Exactly, exactly. Ah, which is very, okay. very helpful. Um, so I, I always read anything that's on WHO and CDC. I trust it. And then at the same time, I also follow any major university, any major research institution that's out there. Um, although universities globally that we know, we rely on London School of Hygiene, Tropical Medicine, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if they publish, when they publish something, I tend to, I read that and I trust that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's great. That's good to know. Um, so, okay, the biggest thing, I mean, I know we're kind of maybe starting to rest on our laurels here in Zambia because we're like, oh, we don't have as many cases. It's not that crazy. Why can't they open this again? What can Zambians actually do to like flatten the curve so and and even just to support medical staff we've talked about how hospitals and the healthcare system is being overwhelmed by covid-19 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what are the things we can do to help yeah um and you know please 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 follow the instructions that the government gives you if yes. they say stay at home do not leave the house unless it's absolutely necessary then please follow it don't go out just because you're you're tired or you want to go visit your friend that's okay i'll sit 1 meter away no it's that if you don't need to please don't do it um, keep a distance if you're if you're out there. If you're going grocery shopping, etc. Make sure you have you make sure um, the um, trolley that you're holding is clean. Try to wipe it down if you can. Do not touch your face. Make sure you sanitize your hands. Make sure you wash your hands for the 20 seconds that they say. Do not do it five. Do not do ten. You know, don't do 15. Yeah. It's that you don't want to. You want to eliminate it as much as possible. So flattening the curve, pretty much what it would do is it would help us slow down this process. It would help us, uh, it will help the healthcare system tremendously, as you mentioned, 
for example, if there are 20 beds and 20 ventilators, let's not send in 100 or 200 patients there. Mm. The healthcare staff are not going to be able to treat and to take care of the patients. And that's, that's incredibly heartbreaking. If you look and read articles about what's happening in Italy, when some of them are pretty much sending patients back home, there are patients dying in the corridors. Mm. They're saying, we can't treat, we don't have a bed. You know, yeah, or so what's happening in New York in. now. Overwhelming, it's widespread, it's ridiculous, it's heartbreaking. And the fact is, even on a global scale, people are also struggling with the fact that there aren't enough ventilators. So exactly. you just don't want to have to deal with that situation exactly. in exactly. the first place. So it's a bit safer for us to listen to our governments, Ministry of Health, the things that they tell us that we should be doing and actually put them into practice yeah. so that we don't have these Yeah, and I understand it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. Mm. It's not because the... Italy started with, I think, two weeks, three weeks. Now it's another, I think, couple of weeks. South Africa extended by another two weeks. India is doing another extension. Um, Armenia, my country where I'm from, they've moved, pushed it, I believe, to mid-May now. And we are lucky in Zambia because a lot of us have, um, there's land, there's a small garden you have. You can at least go sit outside. Now imagine all the people who are in apartments, like a mm. single or one-bedroom apartment, they're stuck there. The only thing they can do is open a window for some breath yeah. of fresh air. And I think even for Zambians, maybe maybe some of you who are not listening to this, but those, yeah, those who aren't, like a lot of people live in a 10-bedroom in Chilenge or wherever, or in like the compound. So like even for them, practicing social distancing, number one has it's virtually impossible for them, but they're also very confined and they might feel that urge, you know, after a few days, the same way the rest of us do, even when we have a garden, exactly. like, I yeah. just want to get out of the house. Yeah, we're humans, right? That yeah. socializing is important. We like talking about it, discussing friends, etc. But we have to, we have to follow the guidelines now or else this is going to extend further. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's important to remember, obviously, a lot of us are of different economic backgrounds here in Zambia. So we do live differently. But, you know, if you can work from home, I hope that you are working from home somehow and, you know, that or that your company is taking some sort of measures. Maybe there's less people in the office at any given time. Um, but, yeah, let's all try and just do these things because we do want to flatten the curve and come out on the other side of this. Um, so, yes, I think I'd asked you oh yeah, about Oh, yes. <laughs> you didn't have to whisper that. They heard you through the microphone. <laughs> I skipped a question. So it was actually, yeah, is there a vaccine or a cure for coronavirus? Mm -hmm. uh, thank you. Um, so there are a lot of speculations about that. So unfortunately, it's a no to either, um, either of those. So mm -hmm. we don't have a vaccine at the moment and there is no cure at the moment. Um, they have started, there are several trials, vaccine trials um, in the US and in China. Um, however, having said that, no one is expecting it to be ready in the coming month or so. They're actually saying it could last up to 18 months or 12 mm -hmm. to 18 months until we have a vaccine available. There are 120 plus clinical trials happening globally oh, wow. where they're trying to figure out treatment uh, cures. You know, the same, remember initially when we started, they said chloroquine helps, hydroxychloroquine helps, mm -hmm. no, ARVs help, no, this helps, no, that helps. You know, some people were also, they were trying out hydroxychloroquine with azithromax, so antibiotics, and yes. all these combinations that came in through. There are, I, I received a, um, a summary of the clinical trials less than a week ago, 127, I believe was the number globally. That's how many they're taking place now, trying to figure out what's, what's a cure. Mm. Um, and or if it's not a cure at least what lessens the time the patient spends in the hospital what yeah. lessens the complications 
So maybe even vaccine, I mean, it was a general question because I feel like those that's the language that my audience and most common folk know, mm -hmm. but possibly the wrong term for what, like what you're saying is like, they're just trying to find out what can lessen. Exactly, yeah. So for now it's treatment. We're now, for now what we're doing is we're managing the signs, the mm -hmm. symptoms of the patients. If you have fever, then it's paracetamol. Not ibuprofen, people, please do please, not use yes. ibuprofen. I've read that, please do not. Yes. Um, so it's paracetamol. If you have breathing problems, if it's complicated or you're in the hospital, then they might need to intubate you, put you on a ventilator because then you need oxygen support. You know, so it's literally managing the symptoms that the patients have um, and hope and, you know, a lot of them do come out of it. For someone listening who just heard both of us saying not ibuprofen and wants to be stubborn, why? Um, so ibuprofen, yeah, it increases the receptors that the, the COVID-19 virus attaches to. Okay. It, was, uh, it was quite interesting that the thing that came out a month ago, um, they didn't realize. And similarly for some uh, medication that diabetic patients are using, and I believe uh, patients who have blood pressure, it mm. increases the certain type of receptor in the body that the, the virus attaches to. Wow. That's why they're saying Because I know a lot from... of people, I'll speak for, especially even women that I know in Zambia, like ibuprofen. It's like yeah. people's go-to for period pain and exactly. whatnot. Exactly, yeah. So I think it's also important for us to remember that right now that's definitely not going to help you Yeah, I, mean, I have a bottle of 300 pills in my, in my kitchen. As, as you can see, this is my homemade gym. So <laughs> I, I tend to injure myself regularly. Mm. And it's always like I would pop an ibuprofen. Now it's stay away from it as much yeah. as I can. Because yeah. even if, exactly, so stay away from it because you don't know if exactly. you've come into contact, exactly. if you have it. So yeah. it's better to actually take that medication off the table if you can. Of course, people yeah. who have other long-term or whatever illnesses who are prescribed things by doctors, that's a conversation between you, you and, and your GP. You and your provider, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But for now, don't do it. Um, it's If you have it or if you know a friend who has it or a family member, someone who has it, you know, if they have fever, then they recommend paracetamol. Um, I personally do not recommend paracetamol if you have a fever of 37.5 or even 38 because fever is your body's uh, way of fighting the virus. Yeah. Um, the, some doctors say take a fever, uh, sorry, <laughs> take a paracetamol to control the fever. So, so don't go through the sweating, don't go through the pain. You know, your skin gets sensitive, you're not feeling well. You know, the, I was raised fever, to do the, a little bit of the sweat. Like if my fever is yeah. not too high, to go through that exactly. because it actually is going to help. Exactly, me in the exactly. Same with me. It's like if you can bear it of 38 and a half, don't take it. Let your body fight it. If it gets unbearable, even if you, it gets unbearable at 37 and a half, please take it. Yeah. Like, and don't wait for it to Everybody get to 40. Everybody is different. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what we need to realize. Everybody's body is different. Yes, and the exactly. way that we react to pain and mm -hmm. different symptoms is, you know, for some it might be more severe. So it is a sort of, there is no blanket treatment, like as you were saying. Correct. Even in the treatment, it's yeah. very catered to, if somebody's obese or whatever, or has another complication, they're going to get treatment that's different from someone who is, you know, maybe more athletic and... Yeah was not at such a high risk. Yeah, and I have friends um, in many countries and um, they've been messaging me asking questions. Um, okay, I have, some of them have COVID-19. Um, so they would say, okay, I have it, it's, been, it's positive, or I haven't gone to the hospital, but I have the signs and symptoms, so I'm staying at home. What should I do? You know, it's usually the, you know, do you have fever? Yes, can you do the same thing? Some of them um, have pulse oximeters at home. So it measures your oxygen saturation. Yes, yes, I read about this. Yeah. Isn't Cuomo using something like that? Um, I don't know, I haven't I read know. it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so anyway. yeah. But so some of them have it. I think I have some paranoid friends, <laughs> bless them. So they have it, they put it on their finger to measure to see what the oxygen saturation in their blood is. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like it's 95, 96, 98, that's perfect. 
And if it goes below 93 and you're having breathing difficulties, then that's when you have to think about going to the hospital already. Mm. You don't want to get too complicated. I do appreciate that right now as it stands, you are also being asked here in Zambia to like contact and have conversations about your symptoms before it's like go to the hospital. Because again, mm -hmm. we don't want to overwhelm the healthcare system. So speak to the actual, the Ministry of Hotlines providing, Ministry of Health, sorry, yeah. is providing <laughs> hotline numbers and things. So, you know, sort of take yourself through those steps. Yes. And when they say, okay, your symptoms are changing or this is happening, you need to go in and see a healthcare professional. I think that's when you do it because otherwise we're going to have queues of thousands of people if we're all in a panic. Exactly, exactly. And also one thing that's happening is, you know, let's say hypothetically, if someone has it, um, you call the healthcare provider or you decide that you're going to go to the hospital because you have this, the fever, the cough and everything. You are, you know, you're sitting in the car, you're driving yourself, you're walking through the hospital corridors until you see the, the, the healthcare provider. So you're spreading. Yeah. You are literally spreading the virus. Or you sat as, like in yeah. the, yeah, reception area. Exactly. And you sat next to someone. Yeah. So yeah. that's why oftentimes they say in some countries, in Zambia specifically, if you're a suspected case and you have the signs and symptoms, they come to you. Yeah. They come to you, they pick you up. No, that's, that's safer. Because so they're very... taking all the safety measures and precautions exactly. so that no one else is going to get Precisely. infected. Precisely, yeah. Okay, and I think our, well, our last question is kind of about, I saw on, on social media, I follow you, I will give his handle. Um, and if you want to ask more questions, you can, but you're working with Helps Lusaka and different other individuals who've been donating sort of face masks and face shields and other resources. These, these things are called what? PPEs? PPEs, yes. Sorry. yes. I'm, I'm not from your profession, yeah. so I was like, what the <laughs> no, heck yeah. is a P Well, it's used in other professions, but I was yeah. like, what's a PPE? Yeah, no, there so. Are, so the, the community support has been incredible, overwhelming. It, it's fascinating the number of people that came together, volunteers that come together and that said, how can we help? How can we help with food? How can we help with transport? How can we help with masks? How can we help? Do you need funding? You know, what, what can we do? And it's, it's, it's incredible. It actually makes you feel warm and like you, you feel that people have come together and they realize that we're in this together and we have to fight this together. Exactly, because yeah. it affects all of us. It doesn't care about your race. Your age, your, your financial age. Yep. status, nothing. It's, it could affect easily everyone. Yeah. yeah. And and you're right. So there's a there's a group called Lusaka Helps. Their Twitter handle is oh, Helps, Lusaka. Helps Lusaka. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So the, I was reading their Twitter handle. Lusaka Helps. But on Twitter, it is at Helps Lusaka yes. if you want to reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah. And they do. So there's one group that's called Feed the Heroes. So what they do is they're providing food for the healthcare providers, the frontline workers who are Aww. taking care of the patients. Yes. And there have been many organizations, Zambian companies that have come together and they are, they're giving the the food um, and they're volunteers who collect it and take it there's one for the uh, for the face masks mm -hmm. um, I believe they've already made 10,000 plus cotton face masks and distributed throughout wherever people need it the healthcare providers need it they send it out to them um, the other initiative that's the one that led by me is the face shield so the plastic mm -hmm. face shields my living room is a factory I um, saw it downstairs it looks beautiful yeah, we have, uh, yeah we've been asked to make 6,000 and uh, so we make the, you know and there, there are people who are not part of this, but they're making it at home and they're giving it out to people on the streets, their, their neighbors, their communities, their family, everyone. It's mm. it's fascinating. It actually, it makes you, it, we will it's beat this. It's good to this. see people yeah. coming together, especially exactly. for something as devastating as this, because I don't think, you know, nobody would wish this on anyone. It doesn't matter if it's your worst enemy. Precisely. Whoever, yeah. like we're in this fight together and the only way we're going to 
figure this out is if we actually stick together and help each other if we can so whether that's with financial support but if you can't do that if you can if you have materials or whatever mm -hmm. that are used in the process of making some yeah. of these things or if you have a sewing machine at home yeah you know even if you make five a day or ten day it doesn't matter you um, still did something. last week we got so i've been um working with fazilla from house of cakes yes so she is not only a miracle worker when it comes to cakes but She's delivered, she's also making masks. She's coordinating a team of uh, people who are making masks and she has already given me 3,000 masks that we gave to the juvenile centers. Which is Prisons. important because yeah. no one actually is, well, not no one, a yeah. lot of us take for granted and we're not thinking about people who are yeah. in the juvenile detention exactly. centers and prisons and thinking about how they could be adversely affected exactly. by Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, some of them have 1,000, 2,000 prisoners. Now yeah. imagine if one case is introduced to Exactly. That yeah. And I mean, how do you really practice social distancing and that kind of control, very strict Precisely. environment? So not only for the people who are there as the workers there, but also the people who are in there, yeah. they do need that help, help and support. Oh. Well, Albert, I just want to say thank you on behalf of myself and my listeners for taking the time out to speak to us and to quell some of our fears and help us through this time. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, it's, it will get better. It will certainly globally get better. We will overcome this as well. Um, some countries it will get worse before it gets better. Some countries have already been hit badly. And we're talking about 1.7 million cases globally as of today and 110,000 people have died prematurely. Um, but just remember that it will get better. And as long as we practice the guidelines that were being enforced for good valid reasons, and social distancing, wearing the masks, washing our hands 20 seconds, sanitizing every time you go in and out, etc., we will, we will overcome this as well. So Hi. stay safe. Thank you for the invites. Thank you for the opportunity. No, and thank if there are you. Any further questions? I'll be more than happy. Yes. So for those of you who have uh, further questions, Albert does do a weekly um, Instagram story Q and A, and um, his handle. I'll add it to the podcast notes. Um, yeah, because I think it's too complicated to spell out <laughs> for what all of you. Name? But it will be in the. It, well, your last name is Manassian. Yes. So he's at Albert Manassian. Manassian is M A N A S Y A N. <laughs> But um, if you can't actually take that down, it is in the podcast notes, so check that out um, in my notes. Thank you so much for listening to the conversation. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening to Conversations with Leela B. And before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by giving us a star on Anchor FM, leaving us a voice message, or commenting on our social media platforms. We are found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay safe during these times and be kind with each other or to each other and be gentle with yourselves.